You are now listening to the East Tail Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the E-Chamber Podcast, and this episode is going to be a little different because instead of a regular podcast, it's actually going to be a pre-recorded sermon that I did this Saturday, the title, Self-Talk, Take Your Mind Back. I feel that it would be a benefit for you. I hope it is, and it's just the tip of the iceberg in when we talk about negative thoughts and things that we experience internally. So if by any chance you want to continue this conversation or you need some help, I strongly urge you to reach out to someone, speak to someone. If that's a starting point, if I could be a starting point, I'm more than glad to help with that. But whether that is spiritually or professionally or just in a friend, reach out to somebody. Don't live life on your own. So we're going to get right into the sermon. Take care. For those who know me, I always want to preach God's word to the truth of the conviction, but there are some words that are more hit home, you know? They hit home. If, if God wants me to preach about a million dollars, I, through the Spirit, could be convicted, but it doesn't hit home because I am not a millionaire. But there are some words that hit home, and this is one that hits home. So I'm praying that I won't be overly excited and not articulate God's truth, but I'm praying that even with my failure, God... Grace and mercy will speak to you today in the subject of self-talk. I wanted to read that last verse again. Last verse of Psalms 43, verse 5. It says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So the subject today is self-talk, but I want to slide a subtitle in there, Take Back Your Mind. Take Back Your Mind. Whether at home or here, practicing social distancing measures, turn or yell to your neighbor, Take Back Your Mind. Take back your mind. Dear Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are good. You are wonderful. Even before I speak, you have done countless of things for not just me, but your people. And even in the midst of pandemic, Lord, we know we can find purpose in you. We can find that you are still sitting on the throne, that you are still in control. But yet, Father, we are still in this world this broken world, a world of sin and challenges. Father, when you speak, there's a difference. Songwriting says you can ease our troubled mind. So, Father, I pray you, this word eases the troubled mind, the confused mind, the distraught mind, the depressed mind, the anxious mind. Dare I even say the suicidal mind? I pray you speak peace to that mind. I pray that this is a word that speaks to them, not of my ability, but of your spirit. It is a conviction and it confirms what they are feeling in their spirit. Bless them all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Hope the cameraman's going to stick on me because I'm feeling a little bit excited right now. So, let me jump off and say I have a bit of a confession. Confession, like drama. Like, let's just make it all, you know, juicy. 
I have a confession that there is a certain lie that I often tell. It was worse before, but now it's gotten better. It's one specific lie. Yeah, <laughs> the, the lie hasn't gotten better, but the ability to tell the truth has gotten better. And of everyone that knows me, one person knows when I'm saying this lie, and that's my wife. Shout out to Crystal, lovely wife, and Riley too. <laughs> Last time I greeted Riley and not Crystal, and people were like, nah. Okay, anyway, sidetrack. So, I would be in moments in time almost seeming like I'm staring off to space. I would get extremely quiet, but seem like I'm concentrating. And Crystal would ask me, what are you thinking? And I would say, nothing. And this would happen from time to time, but you know, as I decided since we're going to get married and all, I should start to reveal some of the inner workings of my mind. So then after we get married and I would say the same lie, she says, that's not true. You are never not thinking of anything. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but you get what I'm saying. She said, you are always thinking of something. And I want to reveal to you, just as I revealed to her, one of the reasons why I say nothing is because in my thought life, I don't know about you, but there's all type of thoughts going on. And some of them are very negative. Some of them are unwise. Some of them are unhealthy. Some of them, dare I say evil, are going on. And I cannot just share my unfiltered thoughts because I would not be married, I wouldn't have a job, I wouldn't have any friends. So sometimes I have to pause and say, I just can't share right now. But I'm already seeing that it resonates because if you're honest, you know you can be deep in thought sometimes where it's almost as though you feel lost. It's almost like you're concentrating on something, but you're not concentrating on something externally. You are concentrating on something internally. Are you following me so far? This um, aspect that goes with finding us, psychologists call it self-talk. And when some people hear that, they think about talking about to yourself, but not necessarily talking to yourself per se, but the internal dialogue that goes on with inside of us. And I know like when you mention psychology terms, some Christians want to get rid of that, and I understand. But before you get rid of it, I want to point back to the psalmist where he says, Oh, my soul. Let's just get on the same page. Soul is not a person. And when he talks directly to God, he refers to God. So he is talking internally. As we read, the psalmist is going through things, and he's evaluated that he is sad inside, and then he starts to speak to himself. If you don't want to use that as an example, think about your own internal dialogue. Maybe something happens, and there are several thoughts and ideas that seem to be going back and forth. You use something simple as someone does something rude to you, and there may be a thought that you should curse them out. Or there may be a thought that you should do this and a thought that you should do that. And some of us are not good in hiding those thoughts because our body starts to match that. <laughs> People say you're wearing your emotions on your sleeve. But sometimes at the end of it all, you do the nice Christian thing and you don't respond rudely. But people don't know internally there was an argument. Internally there was a battle. Because 
the issue with self-talk is it would be fine if it was all positive. It would be fine if it's God just whispering in you, and it was fine if it was just encouraging, inspiring things. There would be no point of preaching a sermon like that. But the fact and the reality is, sometimes, not just me, not just you, but everyone has some negative, unhealthy thoughts with inside of us. Thoughts that are so low and so down that it starts to weigh on you physically. It starts to weigh on you emotionally and weigh on you spiritually. It is these negative thoughts that I want to really hone in on today. And I want to be giving you a spoiler alert that God has a solution to this problem. Negative self-talk. I want to put some simple points out there for you today. And I want you to try to receive them, but some of them may be hard to hear. And I'm going to start with point number one. We are defective models. Somebody say defective. We are defective models. Now, when that first point came to me, I said, Lord, I'm talking about negative self-talks, thoughts. People already have things they're dealing with, and to now put on top of them, they are defective. How is that helping the situation? But when I say defective, sometimes we think in comparison to us. So I'm comparing you to a better person, and I'm saying you are defective. I am saying all humanity is defective compared to the original intent for, that God had for our lives. When you consider, when I'm going to get into this, Adam and Eve before the fall, and when you consider who we will be in the kingdom, this is the lesser of the two versions. This is the defective. And when you think about defective models, many of us, we think products and things we get. It is to say that the thing is imperfect. So you know the phrase we say, no one is perfect. So we're already agreeing that we are defective models. But when you think about God's intention of what he wanted for humanity, when we start to talk about negative self-talk, that was not God's perfect plan for humanity. The reason why it's important for me to stress that is because you must understand the negative, unhealthy thoughts that we feel that affect our bodies, make us die early, make us stressed out, make us anxious. Those thoughts that drive people to suicide, that was not what God was thinking up when he made humanity. It's important to say that because there are some people who are saying, I can't serve a God that allows that. I can't serve a God that makes it that people think those thoughts, that people think so down on themselves. So it's important that we know that was not the original intent for God. That's never his intent. That's important to know because if you say, if that was not God's original intent, then why did we get here? So I mentioned Adam and Eve. And you can argue, actually I strongly suggest, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that when it comes to self-talk, they had at one point the purest, most innocent self-talks self-talks with any person that ever existed because they were the first human beings so there's no other people around to corrupt them their only other communication with god so you know that's fine they don't have bad parents they don't have the media they don't have culture they don't have mistakes they don't have any of those challenges 
Things were so great that in Genesis, at the last verse, it makes a point to make that they were naked and they weren't ashamed. Completely fine. And then after we learn, the serpent comes and tempts Eve and says, you know, did God say you can eat any of the tree? And then she says, no, we can eat everything. We just can't eat of that tree. That's her, that's her thought process right now. Then enters a new thought. No, you won't die. God knows you will become like gods and knowing good and evil. And then what happened? Her internal self-talk changed. This lovely life, there's something better than this. There's something God was holding out on me. Then she makes the decision and eat. Adam eats as well. And the Bible says their eyes were open. And then the first thing they do is they cover up. But one thing I want you to really hone in on is the fact that the Bible says when God comes and they run, they don't run because they're afraid of punishment. You have, to, you have to catch that. Because I think when I do something wrong back, back then, <laughs> in my day, and my dad's coming home, I'm afraid of punishment. They said we were afraid because we were naked. We were naked. And then God goes through asking them and figuring out the situation. But the key is, what has changed? Internally, something is damaged now. Something has changed where God's two creations who know that he loves them, who knows that he cares, who knows all things. They are running from him. What happened internally? There was some form of damage, and now their self-talk is different, that when God comes into the room, they are hiding, they are running. The self-talk has changed. And whatever way you want to call it, some preachers call it the sin gene, the sin nature, whatever way we want to describe it, internally, something became defective. And that's not what God wanted. When God was talking to Timothy, no, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he says, um, you're going to take over the church, and he's encouraging him, and he said, stir up the gift inside of you, but he says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Our broken defect, that was not God's intention. But because of sin now, all of us became defect. And if Adam and Eve had a child prior to the fall, it would be different. But because they had um, a child after that, now all of us, almost like a virus, is now with this sin gene. Internally, you need to know that there's a part of you that is rebelling against God. Sometimes when we think of that, we think just rules, rebelling of God in that sense. I'm talking about rebelling against the intention, God's intention for us to have joy, for us to have peace, to experience love. Even that, there's something against that. How else will you explain people in great, loving situations self-sabotaging because there's something internally that is going against us? But rather than jump to us, let's go right to their children, Cain and Abel. The Bible says... We're now seeing this play out where they present an offering from God. God accepts one of Abel and not of Cain. And the Bible says that Cain was hot. He was upset. He was angry. He's going through this thinking. But clearly, he's not completely negative because his thought is going back and forth. Why do I say that? Because God comes to reason with him. He says, why are you upset? What's the issue here? 
if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin lies at your door. And your desire will be to it, and it will, you must rule over it. So God's almost like, I can see the conflict with inside of you, and I'm letting you know that if you go on with this negative self-talk, if you go down that road, it's going to lead badly for you. The Bible says that Cain now goes and kills his brother. Do you want to know, or I don't know if we want to know, but where does a mind mentally have to go to kill someone? I'm not talking about impulsive. I'm talking about you plan it out. It looked pretty planned to me. Preachers, if we allow. Exactly. That's the worst kind of murder. And he goes and he kills his brother who did absolutely nothing wrong. Where does the mind, how does the mind go there? It's because one, there was a sin nature inside of us. And when things happen, there's some negative self-talk that keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And then what God is revealing, if you keep going down that route, sin's going to take over you. Negativity is going to take over you. You may not reach the place where you've been so angry where you've killed someone. But if some of us are honest right now, let's just take on anger itself. Some of us have known we've been angered that our thought life have gone places that we don't want to admit. Our thought life has taken us other places, and whether that is anger and other emotions, the Bible is letting us know, and we can testify of ourselves, that our minds can get so caught up in negative thoughts that we don't even know why we are thinking the things we are thinking. And sometimes the external behaviors that we did not want to do reflects a dialogue that we didn't want to have. So if we are going to deal with this situation correctly, we have to look deeper internally. But we are caught in a negative cycle. Somebody say cycle. You see, we've already established that there's a sin nature that exists with inside of us. We got that point. And if that isn't hard enough, there are other external factors that are adding to that. When we... If I would break it down, I would say indirect and direct. So let's say direct are the things and the experiences that each person has. So what is told to you directly, that then becomes a part of your thought life. Some of the things that are told directly to you, the way you were raised, those experiences, those direct things. If someone hurts you, that contributes to your negative self-talk. And then the indirect things like society, culture, all of these things further adds to your self-talk. So any person in this cycle has your own negative self-talk because of sin, has your experiences, what's been told to you directly and indirectly. We know, for an example, many of the world looks on what's happening in America, and it's impacting our psyche and our thoughts, not because it's directly happening to us, but it's things that can happen that indirectly impact you. Are you following me? Then you add the devil and that this world is set up in his system and he wants us to fail. So we look at in this cycle, we have all these negative things that are further perpetuating a cycle of negativity. If you understand this, you know why it feels like even with the best days when you're trying to live right, when you're trying to think right, it just seems like negativity just finds you. It's because you're in a negative cycle. So let's play this out. You take a young boy, 
And you know, parents, you can try anything you want. You try to raise them the best. You try to watch all these types of things, but you know they become exposed to things that starts to impact their self-talk. But let me go for an extreme version. You have a young boy, and for whatever reason, parents decide to say he's stupid, he's not smart. He now has that and his own internal issues. He goes to school and maybe is ambitious enough to raise his hand in class, answers a question wrong, kids laugh at him, now that further adds. He's looking in society and he's not seeing a lot of examples of men excelling in education, that adds, or in his direct circle. So then when you take that boy and he now finds other options to build his self-worth, violence, drugs, etc., and he's getting that fulfillment, and even when there's little seeds of thoughts that maybe you should be better, the negative self-talk takes over. So now when you come to tell that person you're smart, you can do it, you can believe, even if they want to do it, there is so much negative self-talk internally that drowns them out and talks them out of making better decisions in life. Let's take a young lady, young girl, those who know who have daughters, smiling, loves themselves, running around naked, don't care when they're little toddlers. Put on a nice dress, put on some nice clothes, they look in the mirror, they feel they're beautiful, they feel they're pretty. But everyone's telling kids, little girls, you're so pretty, you're so pretty. So now in their head, physical looks is self-worth. Unconsciously, we do that. And then they start noticing that some people are saying, this girl's more prettier five or six more times than me. Then they go to school, Lord help us, and other girls, we don't even want to get into puberty where they start to develop different and they start to compare. Boys start to like them and some boys like this girl and not that girl. Then they get a hold of them, the media gets a hold of them. And now with social media, society says this is beautiful and this is ugly. And now you have girls who will look in the mirror and say I'm ugly and say I'm not attractive. And doesn't matter what anyone says, there's a negative self-talk inside. That is the cycle that we often find ourselves in. And I can go on and on, and you know, unfortunately, within your own experiences or people of others, that cycle, where some of us still remember things that happened younger. One person said one thing changed everything. When you look at the Bible, when it says train up the child in the way and they will not depart, that speaks about formative years. Young in your life, you were impressionable. And the enemy knows that. And at that age, so many things will happen. I talk to older people who can tell me things that happened when they were 10. And 9 out of 10 times, it's negative. Because we remember negative things. When I was trying to dig in for this sermon, they said we have like 6,000 thoughts, 10,000 thoughts, some say 20,000 thoughts. But the most alarming stat was that majority of them are negative. Majority of them stay in your mind because it jars you when negative things happen, when we feel negative things, when people say negative things in front of us. That impacts us. And I don't want to bring you so low because I think this is a good point in the sermon to tell you there's a solution. That God, even though he knew we were in this defective model, in this defective world, God had a plan. Somebody say plan. God sent his son in the defective model. And Jesus experiencing all of that, 
did not sin and Jesus conquered sin by going to the cross. So now, even though the sin nature is inside of us, it doesn't have power over us if you're in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus. So the word says, him whom the son set free is free indeed. Let me tell you, that is not freedom physically because you can become saved and still be in jail. You become saved and you can still be captured. That is about an internal freedom that you feel within your soul, within your spirit, and in your mind. That means that any believer, it don't matter, we're still in this defective form. There is a freedom and a liberty that you can experience within yourself that nothing can have you bound to the point where you are depressed, where you are suicidal, where you cannot leave your own house, where you cannot love anyone, and you are just completely falling off the rockers. I'm talking about God's perfect will. I'm not saying that believers don't go in that place. I'm just speaking to your spirit to let you know God does not want that for you. And he sent Jesus to change that for you. And if you accept Jesus, you can have freedom within your mind. But here's the issue. When you think about it, and some of us are not believers may not understand, you look at something, for example, demonic possession, right? Essentially, an evil spirit has taken over somebody. Jesus has power over this. Spirits have power over this. But we know, spiritually, there's demons all over the world doing their thing, having their fun. And they can do that, and God is still sitting on the throne. And Jesus is there, and they're still doing that. But when a spirit-filled believer goes to that demon... And says, in the name of Jesus, a spirit-filled believer, by faith in God's grace, speaks to that demon. That demon has to subject not to the person, but to the power of Jesus. What am I trying to say? The Bible says, because when we talk about taking back our mind and taking back our thoughts, we cannot do that with a bottle and drinking. You can't do that with drugs. You can't do that with self-harming. You can't do that with suicide. You can only fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into obedience of Jesus Christ. What am I saying? That just because Jesus has given you salvation, just because Jesus is here, you have to be an active participant in your thought life to bring thoughts into captivity. To bring thoughts into captivity. And similar how we have demons running around here destroying lives, if you let your thoughts run loose, it will destroy things, and you'll be wondering, God, why won't you do something? God is saying, I'm in you ready to do something, but you need to take authority in your mind. You have to be an active participant and saying that, I am tired of the way I'm thinking. I'm tired of what I'm going through. I'm going to take authority in my mind. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. amen. We have to take authority within our minds. Before I even jump to that point, I want to give it a little deeper because you see, you look at something like I'm up here preaching, right? I'm up here. And personally, you don't know, and I don't speak for every preacher, but I wasn't jumping at joy to preach. I was one of the quietest children you'll ever meet. My mom can tell you. And I was extremely sensitive so when I felt the pull to preach, I wanted no part of it. 
The first time I preached, I testified. I thought it was horrible. I said I was never going to do that again. I am not here. God spoke it within me. People encouraged me. People said all type of things, mentored me. But I was terrified and I was running away from it. The only time things change, God is still on the throne, people are still serving me, is when I went into my own thought life and I went over all the issues of insecurity, of doubt, of shame, to come here and preach, and you don't know, for some preachers, all the things you have to fight with and challenge with just to get in this place. Don't worry, I'm not the same way before, but I would like to say that there aren't those challenges there. But I made up in my mind, if God says I can have something, if God says I can do something, I am going to go in my thought life against every doubt, every fear, every insecurity, and say, if God says that I can have it, I'm going to have it. Now, I know not all of us are preachers, but I want to know what has God said in your spirit? What did he say you can have? What did he say you can enjoy? And if there's that, you have your sin nature that is against it. You have the world that is against it. You have all these things, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can have whatever God has said in your spirit you can have. But you have to understand that your thought life is against it. But with Jesus on your side, you can overcome any challenge. Somebody say amen. So we have to get to the solution, and I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to get to the solution. It's going to be simple. The psalmist says first, he says, oh, my soul, why are you cast down? What's going on here? So if he's there, he's identified negative things are going on inside of me. That's the starting place. You have to think about your thought life. Sounds silly and almost, you know, obvious, but... Check it out in your own selves. You can get up the whole day and you're not thinking about what you're actually thinking. And if you're not careful, you don't realize you fought so many negative thoughts. And if unchecked, you're, you're just doing all this and by the end of the day, you feel sad and you don't know why. But if you can do an account of your thoughts, you can realize how many times you were thinking negative thoughts. Negative thoughts about you, negative thoughts about tasks you were to do, negative thoughts about others and how that's impacting you. You have to assess what is going on. Not all of us are on the same level of negative thoughts. Some people, maybe you're a little bit further along than others. Some of us, it's really hard. I'm not here to judge that. I'm saying at the starting place, you're recognizing. What are negative thoughts you're feeling? Young people, you're going to school. Are you thinking negatively about your accomplishments and things you're doing? Spouses that are struggling, are you thinking negative towards your spouse? You hate your job, but are you thinking negative towards your workplace? What are the thoughts going on? The psalmist assessed what was going on. And the next place he says, I'm going to hope in God. He has a plan. How was he able to hope in God? Was it just his experiences? What, was he heard about God? But we know a starting place for us is reading God's word. That simple. The starting place is reading God's word. There's so many different reasons why I can say that, but one simple thing that God was showing me, if I'm God enough to create the universe, the universe, and I have revealed myself to man and put it in a book and said to read this, I think that's a good starting place. I think that's a good starting place. So whether you're not a Christian, the Bible's a good starting place. If you've been saved for two months, the Bible's a good starting place. Saved for 10 years, a lot of battle, the Bible's a starting place. 
You're in a senior's home, the Bible is a good starting place. The Bible is the starting place. It is not just a history book. There is power. And one of the greatest quotes I've heard about the Bible is, it is the only book that reads you. It's the only book that reads you. So I don't want to just run through this, but simplify. You're reading the Bible. You're meditating on it. You're thinking about what you read. And you're studying what you do not know. Because ultimately, you have to put thoughts with inside of you. And when it comes to psychology, I believe in it. But some of those theories are not grounded in scripture. And anything that's not grounded in scripture can just fly away with any problem, with any challenge. But when you have a word with inside of you from the God who created the universe, the word of God says receive the engrafted word that is able to serve, save your soul. It gets stuck to you in a type of way. And all kind of negative um, um, impacts, but it's not just knowledge. Supernaturally, something is happening with inside of you when there's a word with inside of you. The same way one word from a mere man could make you feel sad, what about a word from a divine God can do to you? So there's a lot. I want to share one tip with the Bible. Got it actually from my dad, because my dad back in the day, he had tapes, actual tapes, and he would listen to the Bible. Now, I don't even know the young people know what a cassette tape is. But read the Bible, of course. But for me, a game changer is listening to the Bible, too. Because even if you're not reading the Bible once a year, you're listening, you're putting it into your psyche. You don't realize it just goes into your mind. I, unfortunately, as a parent, know children's songs that I did not sit down to listen to. And I didn't want to listen to. But it's in my mind. And you know there are things that enter your mind subconsciously. So if you put the word of God in your mind, just listen to it. Just listen to it. You're going to, uh, you're driving a car, you just listen to a chapter. Sometimes before, I'm, I'm sharing my, my, my tricks and stuff. Sometimes I, before I preach, I put a chapter on repeat and I listen to it over and over again. So even if I'm not at the coding level, I can tell you the story inside out. And even without that... God, with just that word, can start to bring revelation and truth and speak to you through that word. So its starting place is the word. The next place, the place is prayer. There's more things, but I'm just going to, the next point is prayer. And here's a powerful thing with prayer. I'm in the counseling field, and when they talk about self-talk, they will talk about, hey, you just have to give positive talk. So positive talk will change it. And they say words of affirmation. They say, get up in the morning and say, I can do it. You can become something. You can be great. And you can do something. And unfortunately, well, I hope my boss isn't watching. I have to prescribe that to children, right? That, that, that thinking. But because there's believers, and even if you're not a believer, you get to listen in on that. The problem with that is, essentially, you are talking to yourself or the universe or whatever energy in hopes something will happen. But when you are a believer and you pray, you understand when it comes to self-talk, you are never by yourself. You are never talking by yourself because you have a divine God that is listening in. He doesn't just listen into the words you say audibly. He's listening to the thoughts you are saying internally. The Bible goes as far to say the groanings when you can't even have words to say. And all you can do is cry. God is listening to that and making sense of the groanings and the sadness that you feel. When it comes to that negative self-talk, there is nothing more powerful than prayer. Prayer armed with the scripture, of course, but prayer where even in the moments you're thinking negative, you can say, God, I don't know why I'm thinking this way. 
You start to think I'm stupid. You say, God, I don't know why I'm thinking stupid. I know you. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made in your word. And I'm thinking these negative thoughts. God, help me. Because God has the Holy Spirit that is an advocate that is working. And the Holy Spirit speaks the mind of God. That's why truly if you pay attention to a divine preacher that's speaking the word. And he speaks it from the Bible. It's the conviction you feel is the Holy Spirit saying, yes, that's for you. That is me speaking to you. That's not macho anymore. That's me speaking to you. And there's a level of peace that you can get, a level of joy you can get, not because there isn't negative self-thoughts, but because the divine Father in heaven is speaking to your situation. He's saying you can do it. Go for that job. He's saying don't give up on that marriage. I'm there for you. He's saying you're not ugly. I created you that way. He's saying you can be great. You can be wonderful because God is now invading your thoughts. And even though there's challenges, you are now engaged in spiritual warfare and you've made up in your mind, I'm going to take back my thoughts. I'm going to take back my mind. Somebody say, take it back. Somebody say, take it back. <laughs> I'm going to do one more. Can I do one more? I'll do one more. I'll do one more. The last thing is worship. And when I say worship, worship, yes, is a lifestyle, the way we live. But when I talk about worship, I'm talking about now the audible experience of you praising and worshiping God. Where you are saying things. Because some of us know that, that chaotic negative thoughts, even as believers, can go and go and go. And you are praying and you are trying and you're praying and trying and you're not getting your way. One of the ways that you, you can help break yourself out of that is worship. Because think about it. Whether you're singing whatever genre of music, if you start singing and stuff, it's hard to concentrate on other things. A matter of fact, sometimes when you're driving and you're listening to music and you're lost and you have to think, you turn down the music because it almost overwhelms your thoughts. So when it comes to worship, and this is what praise and worship, pastor, leaders, everyone's been trying to say during worship service, you do yourself a disservice not to sing. And you're like, Macho, I have all these negative thoughts. I have all this stuff inside of me. Even when you don't feel like it, you just get up and you start singing the words because you understand what's going on. The songwriters have been divinely inspired with words from God. And the melody and all of that makes it soothing. So when you start singing, you, you have to help me out here. When a believer starts singing, if you've ever had the experience, you start singing. And now all of a sudden you were just singing because of the melody. But now the lyrics are meaning something to you. And now you're attaching it to experiences. And all of a sudden there's something flooding through your soul. And you're crying and you don't know why. Or you're feeling optimistic and you don't know why. And you're feeling hopeful and you don't know why. You know why? Because in that experience, it is not just psychologically what is happening. But psychologically you're shifting your mind. But spiritually you are becoming more aware of God's presence and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty if all you are saying in your mind over the doubt is hallelujah all you're saying over the doubt thank you Jesus all you're saying I'm worshiping you God although I'm sad I know you are God although there's these issues of anxiety in my heart I know you sit on the throne and you just keep singing God invades your soul and your spirit and what we know as the infilling of the spirit sometimes the spirit fills you so much when you don't have any words to say that you actually start to speak a different language because the self-talk has changed from negative to divine and you can change your whole outlook when you begin to worship so I dare you wherever you are at this moment take 10 seconds and give God some praise give God some worship even in the doubt 
even in the negative self-talk say God I worship you I don't know where this pandemic is gonna go but I'm gonna praise you I don't know where things are going but I'm gonna worship you we're locked down but I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna praise you I'm not feeling it right now I'm gonna worship you young person it doesn't matter how old you are begin to worship if you have to turn on some gospel music let the gospel music be your aid and begin to worship him praise the Lord Not just when you're at church, anywhere you go, anywhere you go, I'm closing. I would always watch my mother sometimes even washing dishes, singing, singing and crying and worshiping, start speaking. I can't even get all to the heavenly tongue. She starts, the Bible says she's edifying herself. I can't even understand what she's saying, nor is it my business. She's starting to edify herself. That is what is access to you. And I want to pray that firstly, if you are not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, whether here or online, if you're not a Christian or you're listening to this again, the thoughts you have, the negative thoughts that you may not tell anyone, your divine creator did not want that for your life. He sees the sadness, he sees the anxiety, he sees the fear, he sees the pain. You can mask it up, you can cover it up, you can put clothes on it, accomplishments, it doesn't matter. He sees it. We see celebrities have everything, commit suicide. This world can't cover it up enough if internally you are in distraught. God wants you to have peace, but it first becomes in trusting in him. And for my believers, we know that although this power is access to us, there are days. There are days. There are days where it's hard to get out of bed. And, 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 and for non-believers, we've seen what's going on in the world too. We, we have our anxieties and our worries and our fear too. But the, Jesus came and is now living inside of you. No matter what spiritual level you are, you're like, Matthew, I can't cast out demons. I can't do this and this and do... God wants to start to do a work with inside of you. That you don't have to put on fake smiles and tell people you're happy when you're truly sad. That you can start believing again the hopes and the dreams that he has for you. So I'm going to ask right now that I'm, as I pray... You pray for yourself, but even think of those other people who are, you know, that come to your mind that are really struggling. Put them in your thoughts. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now knowing that you not only God enough, knowing everything in the universe, you know every thought, every thought that we have had. Not just that you know about it and you forgot because it's too many. You remember every thought of every soul that has ever existed, ever existed. You know it all. And Father, you know because of sin we are in a defective model, but we are so thankful you did not leave us in this state alone. As Paul says, if it was just joy in this life alone, we would be miserable. But you knew and you have a plan and you sent your son for us. That we, even though we are still in the shell of defective model, 
we can reign with you where we can experience the height of what you wanted us to have where there will be no more death, no more pain, no more low self-esteem, no more anxiety, no more fear, none of that anymore. No more worry and comparing ourselves to each other because we will be in your presence. So, Father, I pray for the, the person who doesn't know you, Lord Father, if there is a small part of them right now that it is resonating, Father, I pray right now you invade the space where they are right now. Even before they're baptized, I pray you fill them with your spirit. Allow them to feel the joy and the love that you always wanted us to have. But because of this fallen world and the decisions of others, Father, we pray against trauma in childhood. Experiences that happen in childhood that has stayed with people, both unsaved and saved. For years, Father, we pray for supernatural healing right now. Father, we pray even in this fallen state, we ask for forgiveness and repentance when we have said negative things out of our mouth and unfortunately added to the negative dialogue that people have. We ask for forgiveness. We repent. We pray that we don't add to the cycle that people are having and struggling with. Father, use us. You say the words of our wows and our meditation of our heart be acceptable to sight. Pray, Lord Father, to work internally in us and I pray now for the believer no matter for the the young person who at this time wonders and doubts how powerful they are I pray Lord Father build the spirit in them that they can get a hunger for your word and develop a prayer life and and and, and let you speak to them directly not just through the preacher not just through the word but internally speak a word into them the, the believer on any stage, and I don't care if they're 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it could be the senior who is, is at home right now and is alone because of this um, pandemic, Lord Father, speak to their heart. Let them know you have not left them nor forsaken them. Speak peace to their mind. And although the negatives talk, the cycle, break the cycle. But uh, Lord Father, we know that it has to be a decision. So build their faith that they decide to take back their mind. That they say, not another day will I let this thought go unchallenged. Not another day I will let this thought just run through my mind and unchecked. I will use God's word. I will pray in the spirit. I will let this, this, this mind be in Christ. That is also, I will do something, Father. Build their faith. Build their courage. They may have tried time and time again. Let this time be different. Not because Matchel said so, but because you have divinely orchestrated as it were the day that they would change. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, even as I close, I pray for our leaders. I pray you help them who at times take on the negative self-talk and thoughts of all the, the saints and all the members even amongst their own. Father, we pray for a double anointing. Lord, Father, we pray you cover their minds. We pray you cover their spots. Even when they go to work, we pray for favor in their jobs. Lord, Father, we come against the demonic plan of the enemy. For he says he strike the shepherd. The sheep will scatter. We understand they are greater targets. Father, we even read sometimes where pastors commit suicide. In the name of Jesus, we come against any plan of the enemy. We pray for the power and the anointing the power and the anointing where we read of men of God casting out demons that when they pray and when they speak and when they plan, they can do something, Lord Father, because you empower them, Lord. Be with them. Be with their families. Be with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.